Welcome to The Screeners, Episode 9. This week, it's back to Vegas with the Wolfpack in our mini-review of Hangover 3. We determine our willingness to track down replicants once again with the news of a Blade Runner sequel. It's time to dust off the bookshelf and decide what beloved books we would like to see adapted to film and what books should never be adapted. Melody tries her best to keep the peace as we discuss the impact of reviews on our decision to see or not to see a movie. Magicians plus heist plus Morgan Freeman must equal a great movie, right? Find out during our main event review of Now You See Me. And in the cutting room floor, our listeners drive the discussion when we delve deeply into 321 Mailbag. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Josh. And Chad. Chris. And Melody. And we're back again to talk all things media. Our listener segment, The Mailbag, has been picking up steam, and we want to thank you guys for that. Uh, We have some feedback to share with you at the end of the show today. We always love to hear from you. So drop us a comment at screenerspodcast.com or send us an email at screenerscast at gmail.com. Let's get started with Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts. All right, everybody. Welcome to Jump Cuts, the lightning round of each week's show. Each one of us gets to respond to some current topics of the day, but if any of us go longer than 60 seconds, you'll hear this sound. And let's get into it. All right, guys, our first topic this evening is the epic conclusion of an epic trilogy that I'm sure we've all been waiting for. And of course, I'm talking about Hangover Part 3. I would never come back. Don't worry. It all ends tonight. Someone needs to burn this place to the ground. Ooh, I like that. We've been on a lot of adventures together, but it seems like you haven't learned anything. Anything. I'll be in the limo. All right, Chad, so I'm very curious to know what you thought of part three. Well, it's going to be hard to compress everything into 60 seconds. Actually, it won't be that hard. Um, (laughs) I loved, absolutely loved, just along with I think almost everybody that saw it, loved the first one. Uh, To say that I hated the second one is a strong understatement. Uh, It was essentially the same movie except a lot less funny. This one is certainly a step above the second one. But again, I think it falls into the problem of trying to be more action-y, heist, gangster kind of stuff. And there's just not enough funny in it. I will say that the last maybe three minutes of the movie, including a little stinger that happens in the credits, was hysterical. (laughs) I mean, I, I cried. I laughed so hard. And I just was sad that I had to wait the whole movie to get to that part. It's much better than the second one, but overall, it's still just, it just wasn't as funny, and it, I think it's time to put this one out to pasture. Melody, what did you think of Hangover Part 3? Did you see Hangover Part 3? Well, sadly, I did not see it. <laughs> I I did, you know, love the first one as much as one could love a movie like that, but the second <laughs> one was so horrible that I, um, I had no desire really to see the third one. So I'm here to see if you guys can convince me otherwise. I have heard that about the ending, Chad. So perhaps one day I will at least watch it's, the last three it's minutes. It's the best credit stinger I've ever seen. It was great. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and skip directly over Josh because I'm sure he actually <laughs> didn't see it. So um, I'm going to completely do that. Well, yeah, it's, it's true. I'm I not, saw the first Josh, one. stop talking. Stop talking. I'm not going to give you any time to talk about it. So uh, I'm going to completely agree with you, Chad. It was at the beginning, the first like 10 minutes of this film are not good at all. In fact, there's some really horrible like blue screen stuff that they do that just was really strange to me. And then it got into that little heist bit in the middle, which was actually kind of intriguing, but it wasn't funny. This this film series is supposed to be funny and it's a comedy, obviously. And so I think they failed 
pretty much on every level when they, if they're trying to go out for a funny, funny movie, except for that stinger at the very oh, end. Man. I wish we, I wish we'd have seen that movie. That I movie. wish that would have, I wish that would have happened like maybe halfway through and then we could have enjoyed it. But as, as is, it's just, it, it's not what you want it to be. It's not. I think the funniest parts of these movies are when the guys are just hanging out together, interacting, yeah. and when they try to put them in all these crazy situations because the screenwriters are devoid of, of plot, it just it sinks. I mean, there are some funny setups, but they're few and far between, and it just isn't. It's not what you want it to be. It just it just isn't. Are you guys seriously not going to give Josh his sixty seconds? I'm sure he has something witty to say. Prove no. It. No, <laughs> you hear the crickets. Or actually, this time it's cicadas. But no, the last time I tried to do this, he he gave me a whipping. He was like, "Chris, Chris." So no, I'm not gonna give him what 60 was he, seconds. What was that, oh, Chris? What did he do? Yeah, it was okay. it was verbal. Checking. It was verbal diarrhea, is what it was. So I just I'm not even gonna give it to you're him. You're better than so many Hollywood scriptwriters. You learned a lesson. I'm shocked. <laughs> awesome. All right, so this summer so far is the summer of sequels. We've got a whole bunch of normal sequels, part two, part three, and then we have Fast and Furious part six. But amidst all this, there is a news of another sequel to uh, somewhat of a sleeper hit from a couple of decades ago. They are making a Blade Runner sequel. And I'm interested to know what everyone thinks of this, what you've heard about it, about the people who are involved, and whether you're looking forward to it or not. So start off with Chris. All right. So first red flag for me would be that it's from the writer of Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, the biggest red flag. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, come on. I mean, if you're going to make this film, which you shouldn't do, you, you shouldn't do because everyone talks about it. It is, it is, it's one of those films that is completely dissected and talked about in philosophy class in film class in colleges throughout the entire nation or throughout the entire world. And so if you're going to make a sequel to it, you're going to be in trouble. It's just not a good idea. And I, for one, it's a singular story. It's not franchise material. There's no reason to make a sequel other than just name recognition and trying to make a buck. Uh, and that's obviously what they're going to do if they're going to go with the writer of Green Lantern. So I'm not interested. So Chad. Well, first of all, Chris, how dare you, sir? Not only did he write the Green Lantern, he wrote Heroes... And the Ooh. Flash for Warner Brothers. <laughs> Those were so shut, four. shut your face. Now okay. wait a minute. Was it here season one or season two? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Season one was good, oh, man. No, Come on. Okay, you're taking Come my on. time. First of I don't all, care. but here's the thing. This there there is one thing that makes me, I want to say intrigued. Definitely not excited. It's that Ridley Scott is going to direct it, and yeah. anything that that he directs is at least interesting. I know a lot of people hated Prometheus. I actually enjoyed a lot of that, primarily the visual aesthetic and the world building and the direction. So I, I would be intrigued to see another film in this universe. And of course, Philip K. Dick's writings are, uh, have been adapted numerous times, but you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a no-go as soon as you start talking about pinned by the writer of Green Lantern, I'm out. And, 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 and it's like that that's I, a good thing. It's like yeah. from, from the acclaimed writer of Green Lantern. I was like, what? Yeah, Green, Green Lantern I, almost single-handedly wrecked DC. It was just uh, it was horrible. Acclaimed. Horrible. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> okay, Melody, how about you? Yeah, I'm definitely with you guys. Uh, the Green Lantern writer, writer thing was um, a throw-off for me. Also, I am quite leery of seeing Harrison Ford reprising any of his classic roles after uh, seeing the train wreck that was Indiana Jones 4. So that I wasn't feel like his that... fault. Hey, what about Star Wars? Well, you excited about Star Wars? You know, I'm excited about Star Wars. Am I excited about Harrison Ford? I don't know. I don't know. I love the man. I loved the man. I just don't know if I want to see him. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, the Ridley Scott thing could be cool. Could be good, but... Probably won't be, unfortunately. Who doesn't want to see an 87-year-old <laughs> Harrison Ford <laughs> reprising his role as Descartes? Or Han Solo, for me. that matter. <laughs> yeah, Josh, I will, what, what about you? What do you think? There's a lot of problems with him reprising uh, that role. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. No, it's fine. It's fine. You're you're taking my time tonight, so just just go on ahead. It's, well, it's I, cool. I, I, feel I don't like, have any I opinions like I should, to, to, to spare the audience. So. <laughs> it's true. Well, actually... This one I was going to be all optimistic on. I was going to be like, I really liked Blade Runner. And now I have to take out my DVD and watch it again and get ready for it. And uh, But you know what? You're right. You're 
as much as it pains me to say it, you're absolutely right. It's it's a ridiculous movie to make a sequel about. Sounds a lot like Prometheus is what it sounds like to me. Uh, yeah. So thanks. Another Chris. movie Josh hasn't Aww. seen. So you haven't seen Prometheus? I saw the trailer with the music. <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to see it because of that, but then you, everyone said it sucked, and I was like, okay. It suck. At some point, we're going to learn to stop ending the question. Josh, you haven't seen Prometheus <laughs> with, like, an actual question. And just, well, you know, I said Josh, it kind of half-heartedly. But, you know. Yeah. Oh, even Melody's turning dark. Yeah. Well, that's sad. Number three. I think it's safe to say that three of the four of us really love these things called books i'll let you decide who the fourth is that maybe doesn't partake in that but we thought it'd be fun to talk about some books that we feel like would be great to be adapted into television or film and then also talk about books that we would never want to see adapted and so let's start with melody i know melody is an avid reader uh melody what about you all right well i know i'm probably gonna steal yours so i'll talk briefly but um (laughs) I'm talking first, so deal with it. My pick pick is actually the same for both of these categories, and that would be the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I hate you. (laughs) You know what? What am I going to do? Lie? This is my pick, so this is what I'm talking about. I I love this series with every fiber of my being, and I want more of this content in my life. So whenever I hear the rumors of the movies, my first reaction is always like joy and excitement, but it's quickly followed by great misgivings because, in my opinion, the books are just like too good for any film to possibly do them justice. And I just feel like a lot of King's writings in general just don't lend themselves well to film. I just think it's like above above the film media, True. in my opinion. So yeah, there's more I could say about that, but perhaps perhaps Chad will also say something about that. I don't know. So I, pick, I picked some other honorable mentions. And I don't have any time. So oh, never mind. I only had her at like 53 <sighs> seconds. Chris, what are you doing? <gasps> Seven seconds. I could have talked. I had her at six, well, a little over sixty. I heard somebody else say "buzz," so I said it too. Please, come on. <laughs> okay, it's, Josh, you are our resident literary professional. You have graduate advanced degrees that have to do with language, so I'm sure you will enlighten us all with your picks. What about you? Well, I'm a little sad that I'm the one who has that title because I haven't been reading as much as I should lately. But I should start out by saying that the books to not turn into a movie are pretty much all of my favorite books because I don't know that I know of anyone who had their favorite book or one of their favorite books turned into a movie and just loved the adaptation. It Film just, it's not the same art form. I think great movies start out as movie scripts, not as books. But if I have to pick, I would pick uh, a book called White Noise by Don DeLillo to turn into a movie. I don't have a lot of time to summarize the plot, but it's a it's a great dark comedy about modern American suburban life. And so that's the one second summary to not turn into a movie ever. I would probably since they've already done Count of Monte Cristo and Les Miserables, all I have left is Infinite Jest. David Foster Wallace is dead, and I don't trust anyone else to go inside his head to try to even fit all that on screen. It's this sprawling novel that weaves in and out of characters and settings, and I just don't think it can be done well. So I know I'm over time by now, so I'll just stop. <laughs> I'm sorry, I fell asleep. What? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> That was very literary, Josh. Thank that you. was good, Josh. Thank you very much. All right, Chris. Weaving, weaving in and out. As, right. as intrigued as we were by Josh, we are equally intrigued to hear about the comic books that you're going to drop on us now. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about your picks. All right. Well, the first one I would go with uh, is Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. I still don't understand why they haven't made this into a film. It is It lends itself so well because it's about a, a group of spec ops military guys from all across all across the globe uh, who come together to fight terrorism as one unit and it's it's really good i mean the, the the book basically has four main action set pieces that would really translate i think really really well uh to an action film so 
it's a little confusing as to why they haven't done that yet. I know Jack Ryan has been Tom Clancy's guy on film, and I know they're making a new film with Chris Pine right now uh, in the in that universe. But I really think Rainbow Six would be a great, great film. A film not to make or maybe even should be I, – a, a book that I wish they would have not made into a film was Timeline. That's um, Michael Crichton's oh, book. Boy. But I wish they would make it again and do it well. Because uh, I really like that book, but the the movie was terrible. So I don't really have one besides maybe like the Star Trek encyclopedia that I would say shouldn't be uh, made into. Because I don't read those kind. Of- ah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> did it hurt you, sir? <laughs> Let me say this: that uh, I'm very angry at Melody because she definitely stole my thunder on the Dark Tower right. series. I believe I was the one that recommended yeah, that to you. I'll do to you. But if I, but I actually, I don't. I don't know that there is a book in the series that I would really like to see adapted more than the fourth book, which is called Wizard in Glass. I think it's a beautiful self-contained work and could be a spectacular movie. But True. the one movie that I would say that I would love to see, uh, or a, a book I should say that I would like to see adapted, it has already been adapted and was one of the worst theater going experiences of my life. And we have already talked about it on a podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, yes. that is Aragon. I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so glad when, to hear it again. When, we, when I read this book, I didn't love, 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 love the book. It, it was well written and I, I love the story, but I thought the potential with a lot of the familial kind of uh, underpinnings and drama could be awesome for a movie. And then my world was shattered when I saw it. So I, I would hope that somebody could take that material you know another five ten years down the road and make something excellent out of it all right well this may be the jump cut to end all jump cuts people i just like to warn you ahead of time so we had quite a debate this week over choosing our main event film due to differing opinions amongst the screeners So here's how it went down. Chad wanted to do After Earth and Chris wanted to do Fast and Furious 6. And I was personally so disappointed by the Rotten Tomato score for After Earth that I really didn't care one way or the other. And so the two boys duked it out over text and email for several days until Josh finally suggested that we do Now You See Me which will be our main event. So mm-hmm. we went with that in order to save the friendship and continue our uh, continue <laughs> our screening. Yeah, uh, the goal of this was I never to you. save the friendship. We started yeah, this terrible. We started this podcast ugly. to end our friendship. That's right. Well, isn't that what it says? It almost in, did. Like, the- description of the podcast it is it is yes well this was almost the end so (laughs) so thanks to josh for for suggesting neutral territory but (laughs) the point is that it opened the door to an interesting conversation that i've been actually wanting to have um already on the podcast which is how the movie review sites such as rotten tomatoes affect our movie going experience and so my question is and Boys, let's try not to make this too ugly. All right, we're a family-friendly show. My <laughs> question is... Not going to promise anything. Do you guys think that the average moviegoer should at least check the Rotten Tomato score before going to see a film? And how do you think it affects the viewing experience? Josh, what do you think? So I should start out by saying that that whole fight that she just talked about, I kind of, I came in a little late. I was only involved on the tail end enough to say, why would I want to see either of those two movies? Can we please watch something else? Fair point. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, but I actually, I hardly ever read reviews, so I don't care as much as some people do, but I guess I do have an opinion deep down since you asked. Um, Besides the fact that I'm too lazy to look up reviews. And that um, you never see movies. And then I, I never say, see movies. That's the reason why you don't look at reviews is because you right. have to see the film. Why would I bother? Well, no, I, I read it so that I don't have to see the movie. Anyways, uh. I reviews, I feel reviews, if you read them before the movie, they can spoil part of the story and predispose you to be looking for certain aspects of the plot or certain set pieces that you wouldn't have your eyes open for if you were just experiencing it fresh. But even trailers do that. And so I guess if you're one of those people who goes snooping around the house hunting for your birthday presents weeks in advance, this is pretty much the same thing. So go ahead. You're just ruining it for yourself. All right. Okay. Well, to Josh 
to Josh's point, I would say that the Rotten Tomatoes score doesn't give anything away as far as the plot goes. Um, you, and you don't so just look at the, the score, do you? You read a couple reviews. No, no, that, that is all I look at. Is is really? before I before I go see a film, I just look and see. It's just kind of a bad a, idea. A little bit of a guide to me is whether or not it's going to be worth my time as far as what the masses. Now, if it's a film I'm, I've decided I've always going to go, I'm already excited about, I don't care whether it's a, you know, a 9% or a 90%. I'm going to go see that film no matter what. But if it's something that I'm kind of like middle of the road on, I'm not going to spend $15 on a ticket per ticket. And of course, my wife and I are both going to go and then pay babysitting to go see a film that has a 12% Rotten Tomato score. To me, that doesn't make any sense. And I think for the average person, it's a good guide for them to say whether or not the the, the money they're paying is going to be worth the experience they're going to have. Um, and so that's that's the reason why I use it is a kind of a meter, a guide to tell me whether or not it's something that's going to be um, an enjoyable experience. So that's how I use uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I will say that that's a terrible decision because <laughs> I don't care I don't care what the general consensus is because the, the 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 problem that you run into is exactly what Josh said is that whether you like it or not if you know that a film has a 5% or a 12% going into it, you are already predisposed to not liking that film. So you have a film that has one of the biggest movie stars in the world directed by a once superstar director who admittedly has made some garbage recently <laughs> bad, bad, okay. gar- bad garbage but it's in a, it's in an interesting a potentially interesting universe it's sci-fi stuff that we love yeah. and you immediately discount it because of what the general consensus is and most of the yeah. Rotten Tomato stuff that comes out are exit polls from theaters or theater goers anyway it can just no 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 they're all they're all critics they're all no they're not no, no, sir, they are not. no sir they are not if you if you go in and select top critics right then then it narrows it down to that but that's the rotten tomatoes score i'm no. looking at the critics no, score. no it's everything. not they also have Chris, you also have the the, if the you general go to, if you go to flickster go right now and pick any movie on there just go to flickster and all the numbers that are assigned to it are the the general population numbers, theater right. goers' response, not the critics' number. <laughs> we well, seem to keep forget talking. you and your buzzer. <laughs> okay, because I'm just saying here, we need to acknowledge the buzz. Okay. Here's the thing: the last thing I want to know going in to judge art or to experience art, I should say, is what other people think about it before I see it. I want to be able to oh. form my own opinion. <laughs> just like if I go in and everybody has said, "Oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. It's a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes," and blah blah blah. I go in then, and then I'm automatically going to not like it as much because it doesn't live up to the high expectations you it's it's just in my opinion it's just a bad policy to know know anything about that kind of stuff going in especially plot stuff is just out of bounds for me we're gonna have to do an extended cut on this but melody you what, what melody i think we on? already are yeah we're pretty but, much uh, melody <laughs> yeah melody so okay i think that it can negatively affect you know the viewing experience if you're expecting something really really great and it doesn't live up to it or whatever but I mean, for me, unless a score is like super, super low, like below a 20 or super, super high, it's not going to really sway my opinion about seeing a film. If I want to see a movie and it's like really, really low, I might reconsider seeing it. And if I don't want to see a movie, but it's really, really high, I might see it. But uh, somewhere between the two, like it doesn't really sway my opinion. But I mean, for After Earth, I, re- I really wanted to see that movie. I really wanted to see what M. Night had up his sleeve. I was all excited about a sci-fi action flick or whatever but i mean a 12 i i yeah. would really rather save my hundred dollars and and several hours of my life so thank you rotten tomatoes for for saving me my hundred dollars that's, that's what sad. i say about it first, first of Chad, all hang on a second Shyamalan let, let, movie that Chad, gets a 12 percent you should want to see it even more <laughs> okay i just went on to rotten tomatoes so we'll, let's be clear here the 12 percent is ha, ha, does not include any audience feedback the twelve, the twelve percent is the percentage of approved tomato meter critics who have given this movie a quote unquote review, and so there's fifteen fresh, uh, which means above an eighty or above, a, I'm sorry, a sixty, I think, mm-hmm. and the hundred and fifteen rotten. There's only hundred and thirty reviews that are counted. So go in to twelve percent. Go to top critics because the top critics are the ones that have to be vetted through their system and are actually legitimate critics, not people like us with an internet show writing and that's what I'm blogs. Saying. And, and that's what exactly what I'm saying. So this is 12% though. And then you've got a 50% audience um, uh, a, a rating if you're looking at that, which is still what they would consider which to be right. Which is way but better that is, than 
Well, no doubt. Absolutely. And of course, and I, like I said before, and again, and you're, you're talking about how you're going to prejudge it. But in my opinion, if you purchase something, you're going to be more prejudged to enjoy it than if, you know, that, that's a whole different Have you actually topic. listened to our podcast? That's not true. We're not prejudged to enjoy anything. Well, here, here's, another, a, here's another thing I would say, too, is, is that, you know, I looked at uh, Iron Man 3 before I went into it. And it's got a 78%, and I thought, man, that movie, this movie's going to be really great. I'm going to enjoy this movie. And I ended up hating it. So I don't necessarily think, you know, it's... It, 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 it's not like I, 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 I know that it's right on every time. And I, I'm not saying that Rotten Tomatoes is like the best way of going about things. But if, if, if it's got such a low review that most people would say, this is not a, this is not worth your time. I, I'm not, I'm not really interested in spending my time there just because I, I yeah, it, but what it's you're valuable. saying right there is that it's not most people. It's 50, 50 for most people. And it's your, your citing critics. We all know sure. that critics are very finicky and have their own tastes. Did so you guys saying, see, did you see the numbers for fast and furious six? No, <laughs> no, I didn't no, look, I don't look. Oh, but I'm never going to see that. Say. So I don't care. What is it? What is 72. <laughs> right. So there you Whoa, go. Awesome. Mind blown. Well, I'm sure. Mind blown. Well, I'm sure. It, 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 I've heard it's a really good movie. To be fair, I look at Rotten Tomatoes numbers after I've seen the film and I'll read lots yeah. of reviews. I just don't want to do it before. I still think it's a good thing for the average moviegoer. I still think it's a it's a good a good gauge. Yes. So that, like I said, they, they let the don't. general population guide your taste, folks. Chad, Get in I, re- line. I respect I, I respect I you for not looking. True. I do. I respect Chad for not looking. But for the general moviegoer with kids and having to pay babysitters and I have to do all, all that those sort things. of thing. Yeah, well. One thing anyway. we haven't mentioned yet is that someone like me, I make up my mind whether I want to see a movie before I go. What? So, But based on based what, though, on, Chad? I mean, uh, Josh? My name is Josh. Sorry, Josh. Based on, I guess mostly the trailer and who's involved, if I know anyone, if it's a yeah. franchise I'm familiar with, things like that. Mostly Rotten the tomatoes number could just be another trailer. another piece of your puzzle there. Yeah, indeed, that, it is, it, and that is what it is for me. It's not the only thing. Yeah, it no, is. because I'm interested in what the movie is, not what other people think about the movie. I don't care what other people think. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. That's right. See, Melody is a perfect example. She wanted to see After Earth, but Rotten Tomatoes has now stopped her from right. seeing right. it. Yeah. yeah, and they saved me my hundred dollars and my night that I what got. If you, to how do you know you would? You yeah. might have loved it. How do you well, know you'd love it? I might see it. I might rent it. Maybe. Mm. Not the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guys, All right, this is guys, long enough. The honest. end. Let's stop. This is madness. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the main event. This week, we're going to be talking about Now You See Me. It is the new film from director Louis Leterrier. The IMDb summary is the following. An FBI agent and an Interpol detective track down a team of illusionists who pull off bank heists during their performances and reward their audiences with the money. Uh, It stars Jesse Eisenberg, Mark Ruffalo, Woody Harrelson, Isla Fisher, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine. Come in close. Because the more you think you see... easier it'll be to fool you ladies and gentlemen for our final trick we are going to rob a bank can you explain to me how you went from las vegas to paris in three seconds what do the kids call it these days oh magic whatever this grand trick is it was designed a long time ago and i believe that what's about to follow All right, guys. So you already heard about how we picked Now You See Me. I think I was very excited to see this film. I wanted to see it. And when Josh brought it up as an option, I, I jumped all over and said, all right, let's let's save the friendship and let's see it. So, Josh, what we did you actually see this movie? Yes, Chris. Holy I saw cow. This movie. Yay. What, what, what was your impressions of Now You See Me? I get the first word, huh? You do. Well. Okay. So <laughs> whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath. It's, let's let's do it. It's called a dramatic pause, Chad, if you hadn't oh, ruined it. Sorry. Anyways. It was too dramatic. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope this podcast is still around in the fall or the winter time so we can finally see a good movie for a main event. I really do, because this summer <laughs> the summer is just torture. I fought off Fast and Furious Six and After Earth to see this movie. Yeah. Only to end up with the most half-hearted heist movie I've ever seen. 
the the worst thing is that I think the concept in this movie had some legs, but it went absolutely nowhere. And I think the movie as a whole is probably best summed up in a series of one-liners, since that's clearly the level of sustained writing effort they put into this script. <laughs> so here we go. Number one. At least now I know what it would be like if evil Dr. Phil, Jet Li, Mark Zuckerberg, and a female Hollister employee robbed a bank. Number two. <laughs> There's more, folks. <laughs> this summer has shown us what's really on Morgan Freeman's bucket list, destroying a perfectly respectable career in movies. <laughs> what? Number wow. three. James Franco's little brother? Did Casey Affleck turn you down? <laughs> Got more. Casey Affleck's a good actor. Oh my word! Wow, Josh, he is a good actor. So how, he must have more? turned him down, and they winded, wound up on Dave Franco. How, how many more do we have? Well, let's just find out. So the title of this movie was a reference to its story arc, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Maybe. it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, I didn't realize this was a. Was that a? That one was one? number yes. four. That was number four. <laughs> Uh, I give up. This is why I'm not a stand-up comedian. This is why you're on this this podcast. (laughs) That was amazing. This was awful. And I'm sure we'll get into it more in the spoiler discussion, so I won't ruin anything more here. So take the floor away from me. Take it. I don't want it. Chad, Chad, what in the world did you think? (laughs) What did you think of now you've seen me? Take it. I don't want it. (laughs) This movie is... um is interesting because the trailers actually had me ex- very excited to see this because I agree with Josh that the premise of magicians pulling off a heist sounds great. It sounds like it has a lot of potential. But this movie is not good. Oh my gosh, it's not good. The first um I want to say the first 30 minutes, the first solid 30 minutes, I was thinking almost out loud, almost talking to myself, I don't know that I have seen so much disjointed, uh, so many disjointed ideas crammed into a beginning uh, with so much exposition and bad writing to try and get a movie started. I haven't seen one in a long, long time. Uh, the direction is awful. There are there are a few action beats in here that you literally do have, you have no idea what is happening. You have no idea. You can't keep up. There's no context to what's going. I think the performances are pretty good, but the writing is so bad. It's just really disappointing. It's really, really disappointing. Although Morgan Freeman, he just sounds cool and looks cool doing anything. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of liked what he did. But this, this movie's not good. It's, it's really not good. All right, Melody, what did you think? Well, I I don't completely agree with you guys, but I don't completely disagree either. I I actually enjoyed the watching of this movie while I was watching it. Just kind of, I decided just not to be a critic, just to turn off my brain and just enjoy the movie. Because heist plus magic should equal fun. And so I enjoyed it. I mean, yes, there were times where I was confused by, by those action beats you mentioned and... Um, the writing was pretty bad, but I was engaged. I was entertained. Um, I obviously definitely have many complaints, uh, specifically the ending. But I thought Woody Harrelson was really good, honestly. I thought he was really, really funny. He was and funny. He was I, funny. I enjoyed all of his scenes. Um, and, and all of the magicians, like when they were on the screen, uh, that that was my more favorite parts of the film than the Mark Ruffalo stuff. And I think actually... This is a good example of how Rotten Tomatoes can actually uh, help the viewing experience because the Rotten Tomato score on this film was a 44, which is not a good score. Uh, so I went into it expecting it to be not a good film. And so I was happy when I wasn't completely disgusted by it. So Apparently Rotten people, Tomatoes made you like you a crappy were. movie. Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> aim low, you'll never miss. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> nice. I'm just saying... Nice. It was not. It was fun-ish. Mm. Mm. As long as you don't think about it afterwards. That's mm. a ringing endorsement. <laughs> the closer you watch, it the less you good. see. It was fun-ish, <laughs> as long as you don't think about it. <laughs> it was okay. That's funny, because one of the things I was going to say is the more I think about this movie, the less I like it. So I guess you're right. Exactly. All right, All right Chris, what did you think? Oh, okay, yeah. so you know how we, we've been talking about how like doing this podcast has made me like 
movies less just because I go in and I'm looking at them and I'm like, ugh, this is I not. Think, I ahead. think Melody said that. Actually. Yeah, she stole that line. I pretty much said it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she stole yeah, that she line. I, I own the English language. And then she said it. I said it first. And actually, believe it or not, she actually stole my line from this movie as well. <laughs> what? Um, which was magic plus heists equals fun. I said that. And she <laughs> has stolen it again. All right, kids. Back um, to your corners. <laughs> I really, really I like this movie a lot. Uh, I, I enjoyed every second of it, actually. No, no, in fact, uh, in fact, the moment awesome. the moment it started and 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 it started going, I was like, "Yes, I am in." Because literally, guys, magic for me is one of those things that I I just adore. Ever since I, you know, I was doing magic tricks in like fourth and fifth grade, and I would uh, do stuff in church and all that kind of crazy stuff. So I love, I do too, love love magic, and um, I love heist films. I mean, the cast is so fun in this, and I mean, there's a, I don't want to get into spoilers or whatever, but there's actually some some fun twists that happen that I really was into and, and enjoying, and and I I really like this movie a lot. It was it was quite enjoyable, just about on every on every level. Now, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely, it's 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 a it is just one of those popcorn films that mm-hmm. you, you're, it's not going to win an Academy Award for writing. You're absolutely right on that, or anything else. But it is it's it's a lot of fun and and i think if you're looking for something fun you're going to enjoy this movie you won't it's not fun yeah you will because here, here's it's part, good. Of the, part of the problem is that take a movie like oceans Eleven, for example i own that movie i've probably watched sure. it three dozen times this isn't oceans 11 uh, well, let's not compare it to uh, why not oh, it's, a, it's a they heist did. film about yeah. a group of people that are specially skilled taking down some big thing so yes it is an apt comparison now here's the deal the thing about Ocean's Eleven that makes it so great is that when the characters are interacting with each other, it's 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 great. It's engaging. What I'm saying is that they don't spend any time, enough time, with the four of these guys interacting in any meaningful way except right. for when they're on stage. There's no um, camaraderie. There's no uh, – yep. you can't attach yourself to the characters because the only time you see them is when they're performing. And so right. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. In the elevator, without giving, there's no spoiler here, but the elevator scene near the end of the film where they're in there and talking with each other. was great. I was like, oh, man, this movie's almost over. And, like, this is the stuff that I wanted to see. And now it's over and I don't get to see it. So I completely agree with that. Josh, (laughs) should we see this movie or not? Josh, go. Well, in in this part of the main event, normally I'm all polite and ambivalent. Like, I tell you, if you want to see a movie, you should go ahead and see it. I'm done. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> Don't see this. Do not encourage these people. Stay at home and watch an Oceans movie if you want to see people steal things. At least that movie has characters. Yep, I agree. Don't see it. It's there are obviously some talented people working on this movie, but the the end result is don't see it. It's not it's not good. I would say unless you just really have nothing else to do with your time and you've seen most other movies in the theater, probably this could be a rental. I would say skip Iron Man three and see this movie. You're gonna enjoy it. It's fun. Wow. Woohoo. Yep. All right. Well let's go into spoilers so Chris can <laughs> Tell us how good this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has a 25% on the Screeners podcast. Yeah, folks. that's right. You know what? According Who to you, cares? Chris, you shouldn't even go see this movie. Who cares? 25%. It should save you, save you guys 100 bucks. You're listening to the Screeners podcast. So the thing that has surprised me about the film, and I'm sure you guys weren't expecting it either, is that the four horsemen are not the main characters of the film. Um, and they're, it's not even about them. Um, and that's why the re- that's the reason why you're not seeing a lot of them together is because it is literally about Mark Ruffalo, Dylan Rhodes, FBI agent Dylan Rhodes character. So that that was surprising to me. That was an interesting twist that, that normally they would reveal in the trailer and make it a cop chasing down the bad guy film. Yeah. And it's not that at all. The thing is that if he is the main character, which yeah. I, I agree he was kind of intended to be. They spent the entire movie, their opportunities for character development, developing his fake character. Right. Every rule they set up in this movie of who you're supposed to root, root or who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Right. They then turn around and break that rule 10 minutes later. No. And so you, you end up with a movie without a coherent world and you don't have you don't have any narrative structure, anything to hold on to. And it just falls completely flat because of that. Yeah. yeah don't you hear yourself right. saying that though? Doesn't it sound like a magic trick though? What exactly what you just said, 
there is literally it literally is a, a, you're not seeing what you think you're seeing. Look, and no, if, because if, you're literally. being completely. Yeah, like, come on. The twists no, are fun I, and all, but it but. sounds like a magic no. trick. Yeah, no, they're no. trying to. It, it is magical how bad they wrote this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to do misdirection. Yeah. We get it, okay, but to, but to ascribe any kind of sense of profundity to this script. I am not going to allow that discussion to even start <laughs> Why, to happen. Just because, just because you don't want to have no, this no, no. conversation? No, because that's not, there's, that's clearly not the intent here. It's very sure easy. It it's very easy when you're making a film to point somebody one direction and at the end and then go, ha ha. The problem with this as a film is it it's a whole story from beginning to end. For me, it was it was just a f- like going. Well, remind me, Josh, and maybe this is something you'll cut out later. But in, in literary terms, what do you call a uh, a main character while you're reading who is lying to you about what you're hearing? What it's called like a unreliable um, narrator. Yes, that that. So yeah, th- and that is what you're getting here is is somebody who you you like you said yeah no he is we are seeing a false person but if we were to see the reality of it it would be even much less interesting film um the reason why he's performing like the way he's performing is for the interpol agent um he's you know what i mean like he he's 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 keeping up terms because of that he needs to and he get fell these, in love i didn't yeah, count, that's where i never counted I on you that, that oh was gosh. awful <laughs> that was awful that was awful there's no doubt that, that was the it worst, was totally the worst amazing how this interpol agent walks in and she's an attractive lady and like literally in the first mm-hmm. conversation like two minutes after meeting each other after he treat, treats her like garbage they're looking at each other like you feel this tension this is gonna happen right it was so terrible was well you so have to admit though that Woody Har- the Woody Harrelson stuff was funny though wasn't it don't yeah, you think that was funny he, he was funny was great. Yeah. yeah and, and, Melody, well, that, and is exact, was... Melody is exactly right I had the exact same thought in my mind when they were in the elevator at the end going up for their final trick but, just sitting around there I was like why is it the whole movie this the, the this reason, would be great the reason why that, that whole thing happened was because of the Woody Harrelson Harrelson conversation though I don't think there would have been any kind of tension otherwise that that was you know that that was kind of the the beginning I anyway, I I don't think it's as bad as you guys are are, are, are saying it is there were several moments watch, would you ever watch this movie again I will yeah I'm gonna buy this movie no, and watch what? it again yeah oh my <laughs> no, wait a minute oh, wait a minute no I you're like not it you're going yes. to buy this movie yes yes I can't well, I'll, 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 I'm sorry. as though you have I, I will, just misled many people. Let me say that I will rent it again. Okay, the, 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 I, really? I don't actually buy movies anymore. I rent them, but yes, yeah. Why not? It was fun. It was a fun movie. Mm. There's nothing wrong with this movie unless so you're telling me like when the like the chase when they were chasing the guy in that didn't New bother Orleans. Me at all. Yeah. You, no. you, you you did you were completely. It was clear action when, you understood what was happening who was chasing who you saw is, all that that was not, exciting to you this director is not an incompetent action director i mean you, you're uh, acting have you seen the not, incredible hulk i, I well i'm not, uh, yeah, well i have but I'm, I'm talking more in terms incredible hulk was not that bad as far as the way it looked though and neither is, i mean it's if you're looking at transporter and you're looking at um those kinds of films you're seeing where he's coming from that that <laughs> hand cam sure it works in the transporter where it's hand-to-hand martial arts combat it doesn't work when it's magicians oh, wait. Did, did, not see the part where Dave Franco turned into Jet Li right before he turned into Mario Andretti. There was martial arts in this movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that is was true. pretty. Hysterical. What are you talking about? I don't even the know. The handcuffing scene when he's trying to escape. When he's in the apartment in with the, apartment. Uh, the guy from House of Cards and Mark Ruffalo, he he turns into this martial arts master, and then he turns into a Daytona driver. Um, One right after the other. He doesn't miss a beat. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Again, this movie is is definitely a suspension of disbelief, which is what you – I mean, it asks you to do that at the beginning of it anyway. I enjoyed it for what it was. It it did a – in my opinion – What was it? Film. What was it? It was a popcorn film. What do you mean what was it? It was an entertaining, fun ride. Hmm. Well, I mean, what wasn't in the in the sense that like what what was the story and where were the characters and why do I care about yeah, them? Yeah, what were they trying to say? <laughs> what were they trying to say? It was just a fun movie. What do you mean? What were they trying I to say? I don't believe in letting a movie off that easy. Saying, "Oh, it's just trying to be a stupid movie." I didn't I mean, say it was trying to be a stupid a, movie. It, well, okay, I, if it's not, then what's it trying to be? Like again, I'll use the Ocean's Eleven thing. Completely entertaining, completely popcorn, over sure. the top bad guy that owns the casino, who right. also is married to the ex-wife of the main guy who's trying to steal back the money. I mean, it's got all the tropes there, but it's wonderful. Right. So saying that it's a popcorn movie is that's giving it a pass i think i actually enjoyed the actual 
point A to point B, realizing Mark Ruffalo is the main character. Why is he the the main character? Why are we not spending more time with these other folks? Um, you know, what, what, what's the, 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 the purpose of what's going on? I, I thought it was a very good, in the ending, I love the twist too. I, I liked, I was not expecting that. Was anybody else, did anybody else not. call that? No, it got no, me. How could you, Wh- how could part? you possibly expect the part where you find out that he's, that Mark Ruffalo's how character could you possibly is the one behind? Because, because the you, entire time you see the guy in the, um, in the sweatshirt, you're seeing them build up. You know, there's somebody behind the scenes yes. who's running this quote unquote, okay, I, maybe if you narrow down every character in the, in the film, you could figure that out but what i'm saying is if you're supposed to identify at all with mark ruffalo's character and the motivations that he emotionally displays in every scene of the film that that are completely disregarded when you find out what his emotional motivations would actually be it, it renders most of the decisions that he makes completely nonsensical i mean it's just it's beautiful Thank you. It's not true, though. I mean, again, he, he's putting on a show. He would have done things very differently if he didn't have someone. There by are times son. when he's putting on a show, but there are sure. many times where well, he is. he's not he's putting on the show for the Interpol agent. He, it's just him and his emotion that he's conveying in the scene that's completely not true to the character that he actually is. Which was is. the director's attempt is, to make you feel that way so they could pull the rug out at the end. Exactly. Which is, which is not, I don't you know, whatever. And Doesn't make this, sense. Uh, again, I, I, uh, what, what I'm saying is, is that for me, and you guys have your own opinion, and you're asking me how to back it up, that is the way I felt. And I think that you guys, even you, Chad, are, are somewhat at least agreeing with the fact that there is a, a, a good structure there that if they would have done things a little bit differently, maybe focused on characters that you enjoyed a little bit more, what, this movie could have been very good. What is right? good? No. What is good? No? Wow. Yes. Right. What is good about this is the idea that yeah. you have a group of really smart, talented uh, magicians that pull off a heist in front of the public and the FBI is chasing them and they can't catch them and it appears to be magic. That idea, that elevator pitch mm-hmm. with a better screenplay could be great. Yeah. But this is for me, this is, you know, it just wasn't it, I wanted it, it, it to be. It, it was a mess. It's a mess until you find out why it's all going on and who's pulling the strings and why, though. I mean, I, I think that was that was a good thing, because otherwise, if you didn't have that moment at the end, you would have been like, well, why in the world would you be doing? I mean, wh- wh- why are you doing all this stuff? Why? You know, what, what, how, what, what are the strings that come together? And I just love that moment in films is one of my very favorite moments. And so, again, I'm predisposed because I love magic. Uh, I love heist films Those and I love twists awesome. and I love twists in films I just I uh, for me all those three things came coming together even though it wasn't perfect by any means I definitely I definitely see where the issues were you know the the ending with the the love interest and all that kind of stuff is ridiculous and crazy but there's a lot of ridiculous good. things in this movie there's so yeah, many yeah, implausible sure. things that happen that it's like are you I mean come on really yeah. okay yeah no there are there those are. moments are awesome when you can look back in the film and see oh that's why he made that decision right, exactly. that's why he was feeling that emotion right. but when you look back in this movie you th- you realize oh it was just completely that bogus the whole time so, and this is this is a minor thing in in view of everything else we've complained about so far. But <laughs> I'm wondering about something. So the eye, this ancient magician thing, mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's real, and the way we're introduced to it in the movie is through the French Interpol girl, who is the one thing that Mark Ruffalo didn't see coming, and yet he is part of the eye, and he's leading the four magicians slash cardboard cutout people into the eye and like i i don't i don't understand how that works as a narrative structure the the interpol girl is unexpected but she is the only one who introduces us to the thing behind the plot and And just what like is everything else, you had to have Anyways. you had you had to have somebody. That's there. not a plot hole at all. Is, what are you no, talking about? You had to have. She's somebody. on the. I'm sorry. She's on. She's on the on the plane ride over. She's looking at what the right. the, the deal is, and she says, "Okay, what do these all have in common? Oh, I'm going to do some research now. Let's exactly. find out kind of what's going on. Oh, hey, and how is that a problem at all? I don't understand. It's, it's just bad writing because you had to have somebody there to do research and find this. <laughs> oh, it's this mysterious order of the eye. It all comes together. It's so. <laughs> ridiculous at right after the walkthrough of the first explanation of the trick by the way so yeah and since that's not actually um police research at all you must have faith i found a mystical society they must be behind this (laughs) 
<laughs> but they so guys, harsh. they at least got to disappear Enjoy into the, the magic movie. carousel. That was cool. Come that on. See now, 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 Josh. Now, now, I wish we would have seen After Earth because then we could all be on the same side and just be banging crap well, no, out of Maybe that. I would have liked After. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Look, not, that would be a day. I don't know Will Smith's son doing the flipping the tiger over his back. That looked kind of cool. Well, we could all. You wouldn't do this right to now. any other ranger. You're not a ranger. <laughs> oh my gosh. First of all, I agree with Josh that outside of Into Darkness, shut your face, Josh. This summer has been extremely disappointing. So hopefully it'll get better. True. Even I said Into Darkness was good as a movie. Yeah. You did. You did. That was a beautiful thing. You did. Something's wrong when Josh's favorite movie this summer so far is a Star Trek film. Is it? No, is it? Directed J. J. by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the cutting room floor. Mailbag. 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 Just say mailbag. Yeah, it just has to okay, be. Okay, uh, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. Just one cord. Mailbag. Well, we've gotten a lot of feedback over the last couple of weeks, so we wanted to bring some of it up in our mailbag section today. So the first uh, response we wanted to talk about was from Samantha, who was requesting that the screeners give their take on the new season of Arrested Development. Uh, Samantha, we would love to do that. Unfortunately, we are not as cool as we may appear, and only one of us has seen it. And I'm sure none of you will be able to guess who that who that person is. They will Wait, definitely it, guess wrong. Hang, hang on. <laughs> is, is, is it you, Melody? Negatory. Uh, Chad, it must be you then. It definitely is not. Oh, crap. It's not me. So that just leaves. Come on. Why haven't you guys seen anything? Turn on the TV <laughs> once in a while. We're doing a media podcast here. <laughs> I, I stifled myself. You'll be Good glad to know at the end there. So right, should, Josh, should I give, well, I should I give my feedback now answer. since I'm the yeah. only one who's seen it? Right. So yeah. should we should we watch Arrested Development, Josh? Is it worth our time? I've Absolutely. seen Arrested Development, just not the new season. You're what? You're on season three still? I'm almost done said. with season three, yeah. Finish it. I will. talk about it. I will. Well, Arrested Development is one of these shows that it took a little hounding from a friend whose taste I respect to get me to watch it in the first place. Um, I had seen a couple episodes. This was back when it was... I guess it was after it had been canceled, but it was in reruns. Um, I'd seen a couple episodes out of context, and I didn't like them because I didn't get the running jokes. And that's what this show is. It's more like a novel than a sitcom, and you really have to follow it all the way through. But once you do that, it is, it's absolutely a brilliant show. And this season has continued that, and then some. It's really great to see the, the original creator of the show, Mitchell Hurwitz, and, and the full original cast recommitted, even if it's just for this one season. The, the writers have really taken on the Netflix format in what I think is a unique way. This fourth season feels designed from the ground up for binge-watching. This was in that preview article about this season that I mentioned. We mentioned a few episodes back, so I don't think it's spoiling anything. But each episode is written from a different character's point of view. And they all kind of cover roughly the same time period. Or at least I'm five or six episodes in myself. And all the ones I've seen have been occurring simultaneously. It's, it's a great narrative device. And it feels like the running jokes and the jokes that build to a convergence you've been seeing them in bits and pieces throughout episodes that have really been the signature of the show in the past. They're in hyperdrive in, in this season and it's been great to watch. And I'm just sad. I have fewer than 10 episodes of arrested development left probably forever. A plus recommend. All right. Our next message comes from Russell Hess. Uh, it says, hi, I'm a first time listener, first time commenter. On the McCain situation, the one thing you all did not mention is that the cable companies, by bundling things, do not spread that wealth equally. So say a small little network gets a ton of views on a particular show, the cable company keeps all the ad revenue and can charge higher prices, in nearly real time by the way, to their advertisers. The individual network and the show owners slash creators cannot see that revenue until it's time to renew their individual contract. By breaking these bundles and letting the people subscribe to what they want, this will more accurately put the dollars in the right place while at the same time giving the individual stations the ability to charge, collect, and recoup accordingly. It's really fair for all, not just the viewer. Good stuff. Good stuff there. Chris, I'm sure that you agree. 
I do. Absolutely. And he knows what he's talking about, too. I know, actually. I know Russ. He is in um, film distribution. Uh, and so he's definitely on the money side of things and kind of understands how all that works. So it's good. I mean, if it's good for the viewers, I think that's good enough because that's who I am. But of course, if it's good for the actual content makers, that's even better uh, if they can see that, uh, that, 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 that. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm glad that's the case. Yeah. And I agree. Letting people subscribe to they, what they want ultimately is where it's going to be. It's just going to it's just going to take a little bit longer for us to get there. But I agree. You want the people that are actually making the content to get the lion's share of the money. No doubt. All right. It appears that our piracy discussion from a few episodes back is still still up and running. We've had a few Facebook comments about that. One from uh, James, which I will read in its entirety, and another from Kevin, which I will not read in its entirety because it is longer than my entire news feed. (laughs) So to start out, the one from James. I had a comment about your discussion a few shows back about piracy, especially in regards to Game of Thrones. In Canada, there's no legal way to access the show without subscribing to HBO Canada and watching it on your TV. There's no other option. With my local provider, this channel is only available in a premium pack, which is $26 a month on top of regular cable plus HD. Food for thought. And to summarize Kevin's comment, um, he's a media pirate and piracy has become obsolete for him because uh, buying stuff is easier now and you can have it on all your devices. And he managed to throw in some nice piracy links just to, you know, bring the FBI's attention to our Facebook page. Thanks so thank that, you for that. Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Appreciate That's that, awesome. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with your point. So thank you. I don't. I would say this about James's point. There's really no legal way in the United States either to watch it unless you're a subscriber to HBO. Yes, we can view it on our mobile devices, but you're technically supposed to have a subscription. So I think that's that's the same outside of the fact that it sounds as if they may have to watch it only on their televisions. In America, without pirating, you're supposed to have a subscription to watch it. And I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I am a subscriber, and I think it's in the same ballpark as about 20 bucks a month extra uh, in your on your cable bill as well. Yeah. Which is why I haven't seen Game of Thrones or Newsroom. Because right. Right. I mean, that, that, that Newsroom that, that is, is so good. It go, mm-hmm. goes to goes to the point is that, you know, you, you've, you've got to pay what they're what they want you to pay for it or you don't watch it and that's that is that's the bottom line and if they would make it easier then they'd get more viewers yes it goes to the point that you should pay for the things that you want to see i agree i I totally you have to otherwise you're you're breaking the law i disagree with kevin's premise that uh he stopped pirating because (laughs) it became easier to do other stuff i i I think i think people stop pirating not because piracy got harder or buying things got easier it's always been easy to go on the computer and grab something if you know what you're doing on the internet sure um you stop pirating because it's gotten easier to get caught and Mm. that's what they've been doing more of so or they want to be driven to pay for a vpn or pay for usenet access or something let's not say easier let's just say it's more convenient now there's a lot more there's a lot more better legal ways of buying your content now than there was 10 years ago, five years ago or whatever. So they've made it the, the word easier, I think has a stigma attached to it that that means it's not easy to get stuff pirated off the internet. Of course it's easy. If you've got a link with a friend, boom, you're downloading in seconds. But that's, that's not the point here is, is that it's made it, they've, the companies have made it easier now to buy things legally. And if they'd make it even easier, they'd get even more revenue and 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 easier to use the things that you buy by putting them on your devices. Yeah, totally, totally. Pirates. So anyway, thanks for the comments, guys. Good stuff. We will continue to beat this horse as long as it pretends to not be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It keeps going, keep going. We'd love to hear your feedback, especially from international guys. That's that's an interesting spin that we unfortunately don't have a viewpoint on because we're here in the United States. So if you're living outside the U.S., which we know we've got many viewers uh, globally, Please let us know kind of what your situation is and how you feel about any any of the topics that we're talking about. That would be a, an interesting thing to, to see. Thank you, James. And Kevin, we're giving the FBI your phone number. <laughs> yeah, right. They already have it. Let's be honest. Thanks to Beja as well for adding to the discussion about movies that we enjoyed but we would never really want to see again. She mentioned that Children of Men is a movie that she thought was really great, but was one that she would never probably ever watch again. It was a tough movie, she says, to get through, but it was brilliantly directed. I totally agree with you. Uh, Great movie. 
I'd like to see it again, but I can understand why someone maybe uh, wouldn't want to see it again. I'm going to be kind of heretical here and say that I agree that Children of Men was brilliantly directed. Um, I think it drew some attention to the directing, but I, I didn't really like it as much as everybody else did. Wow. Yeah. A, lo- a, a, lot of wow. People, a lot of people talk about it being just this seminal work, and I didn't. it didn't connect with me in that way. I, I think I appreciated it, but overall I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And there's some awesome I, things in that film. I feel like awesome. I would need to watch it again to form a good opinion about that. So sorry, yeah, Beige. I guess I would watch it again. He was one of those first times because it's a it's a single camera shoot. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first times I've seen a movie that was like like that. It was kind of grounded and gritty, and but it had like these interesting visual effects. It was it was an interesting definitely did take the, the sci-fi the, film. The attack scene, all the technological things they had to do with the camera, with the moving mm-hmm. seats on that one take shot was amazing. I, it was awesome. You know, I wonder if District movie, Nine. I wonder if District Nine would even exist if this movie didn't. I, you know what I mean? Like I felt like that that they, the same kind of um, sensibility. Uh, used in this film is directly translated into to District 9 and other films I, that have come after I it. I can see the similarity, although I adore District 9, yeah. and, and I didn't, yeah. didn't as much with Children of Men. So, yeah. Thanks, well, for, the, thanks part, for the email, though. Yeah, and partially related, partially related that, my wife, actually, after listening to that episode, um, told me that she was surprised that no one mentioned Schindler's List. Like, that would be at mm-hmm. the top of her list as a yeah. fantastic movie and it's never a good want one. to watch again. For that sure. is a good one. Yeah, That's absolutely. True. I've actually seen that a few times, though. It's it's one of those where every time you start it, it's why am I you doing it? But then yeah. you, but it ends, and it's it's worth it's worth the journey. Yeah. The cutting room floor. Thanks for tuning in to the Screeners Podcast. Like we've been saying, we love to hear from listeners. So if you'd like to talk more about something you heard on the show, or if there's something you didn't hear but wish you had, just drop us a line. You can get in touch with us just about any way you can think of. On Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast. Tweet us at ScreenersCast. Send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Or leave us a comment over at ScreenersPodcast.com where you can also read up on things we mentioned in the episode and send us ideas there for future topics. And as always, if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us some love, leave us some reviews, and we'll see you next time on the Screeners Podcast. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.